0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours
2: It is Friday, July 29th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. You'll be able to hear the show in its entirety on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Happy Friday. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. And we love Fridays on the show because it is a free-for-all Friday, and of course, we are on the eve of UFC 277, which goes down tomorrow at the Metroplex in Dallas, Texas, the American Airlines Center. Two title fights, solid main card. Very excited for it. Main card's excellent. Prelims should be a lot of fun. Some competitive matchups, but the main card's really, really good. And the more we get closer to tomorrow, the more excited I am, the more intrigued I am for this main event between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes. We're gonna have our official live weigh-in show coming up at the top of the hour so that's why we're starting a little bit early today so i appreciate your patience i appreciate you jumping on a little bit earlier and fridays are the best because it is a free for all friday and that means we can talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about if we want to talk about tomorrow's card we can do that if we want to talk about other stuff we can do that you want to talk about whatever you want that's why we are here and we will be here for the next Hold on one second. See, this is what happens when we do things a little earlier because there's a lot happening. I teased something earlier this week that is apparently coming to fruition. Uh, big fight at 145 pounds. Hopefully I could reveal that officially from the MMA fighting perspective while the show is going on. But you may have already seen it on social media. But let's get into this thing. Let's go to the peeps. Let's go to... Intacob. I hope I got that right. If I didn't, then I stink, and my bad. Are you there? Make sure you unmute, and I think we'll be able to get you. Hello? Mike, can you hear me? Hello, I have you. Yes, sir. Uh, Sir, I have a
3: comment about uh, one uh, UFC 277, and a question about uh, some other fight in UFC two eighty. Okay, go ahead. Uh, about uh, Jul- Juliana Pena and the uh, Amanda Nunes fight, uh, I believe uh, Amanda Nunes will uh, win comprehensively and it will be a knockout uh, and probably in the second round. Okay. But uh, I wanted to ask about the Islam Makachev and uh, the Olivera fight. What do you think about the odds because it looks like uh, Makachev is the, uh, right now is a slight favorite. But given uh, Olovera's history and uh, the kind of game plan he carries, the aggressive game plan, which Islam is not used to. So what do you think about that fight? And thank you. Hey.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you for, for starting the show off tremendously. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow, Pena Nunez is going to be interesting because on paper, this, it it, it was on paper. It looked the same the first time around from a martial mixing of the martial arts perspective. Amanda Nunez should beat Juliana Pena 99 times out of a hundred, but Juliana doesn't, doesn't go in there to mix the martial arts. Juliana Pena goes in there to just have a fight. She goes in there to fight people and she is a dog, man. And, that is such an advantage that she has. She is so durable. She just gets right after it. She, it's, It's just amazing to see how tough she actually is. She took a beating in that first round against Amanda. She looked a little flustered going back to the stool, but then Rick Little and the team said exactly what they needed to say, and then she just came out and was just landing that jab over and over again and got Amanda mm-hmm. off her game. Amanda started turning it – Amanda started – brawling which is not something you see all that often we saw it a little bit in the chris cyborg fight but Juliana's going to win those dog fights more often than not doesn't matter if you're amanda nunez or anybody else so it'll be really interesting to see you you would have to believe that nunez is going to come out be a little more methodical she was having a lot of success with leg kicks in that first fight if you watch the first the first round of that first fight She was beating up Juliana's legs and Juliana wasn't even trying to check him. So I would expect Amanda to come out and do that. If I'm Juliana or if I'm Amanda, I'm trying to get her out of there quick because the longer this fight goes, I think the more it favors Juliana Pena. So I'm just, the more I think about it and the more, the more I watch past fights from the two of them, the fight just continues to get more interesting. And, Who knows? Every fighter, for the most part, has had a foil. Sometimes someone just has your number. Maybe stylistically, maybe from a fighting and a martial arts perspective, maybe one fighter is better than the other. But sometimes in this crazy sport of ours, someone just has your number. And maybe Juliana is that fighter for Amanda. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting fight. I don't I, I, I have, I'm not. Even, I don't even have an f- official pick yet. I'll reveal it on the preview show, which I believe we're doing at two p.m. Eastern on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. But I honestly, I've been going back and forth with this one because Amanda should win this fight every time. But Juliana's just such a dog, man. She's just such a dog. She's so tough, and she's so durable, and she just she's just one of those fighters you just you just want to go after. And then you realize that you just can't put it away. It's crazy, it's just crazy. So I can't wait for it. And as far as two eighty goes, I love Oliveira versus Makachev is the fight I am looking forward to the most this entire year. And this is one of those sports where that you could say those things, you could say that sentence multiple times, but good grief, this fight is so good, it's so good. I cannot wait. And people just again, just sleeping on Oliveira. Sleeping on Oliveira. A lot of people just feel like Makachev's just going to just wrestle him to death and it's going to be an easy win for him. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Oliveira matches up tremendously stylistically. What Makachev does really well, he does extremely well, but is just such a smart fighter. He takes, he, he takes a beating, but eventually he gets the fight to where he wants it to go and... He just keeps winning. So I cannot wait for that fight and that card. That card just continues to get better. We saw Caitlin Chukagian versus Manon Fioro has shifted to that card as well. That card is just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Let's go to Michelle. Let's see if we can get him. Wheel is spinning. I don't know if it's going to connect. We'll try. Oh, there we go. I think I got you. Are you there? I, did, I can't hear anything you're saying. Jump back in, and we'll, we'll I'll, I'll get you in. Let's go to Don, and then we'll go to Telermi. Hey, what's, what's, what's going on, Mike?
4: How you doing, man? A heck of a morning. Too sweet. day, all oh, that jazz. Indeed. Um, so, <laughs> <you know>, yesterday... <laughs> The, I don't know, man. My service was cracking out or whatever. Um, and uh, I had another question. But now I can build upon it because it's Freestyle Friday and you will wrestling Mark, which I love. So I got to thinking about it. I was like, Ty Tully Boston, man. I would love for him to win the world title, the heavyweight title, because it would just be crazy be he wanted a, a good feel, good moment. He's a lovable guy. He's so over, big baby face. So I got to thinking about when Mick Foley won the title on Raw, uh, like for the first time when he beat The Rock and it was like crazy. He was during the Monday Night Wars. Nobody expected it to happen. Who do you feel like, it's probably already happened in your eyes in the UFC, but who do you feel like had that Mick Foley title win where it's like, wow, nobody thought he was going to win that. Would, would you say it was the Matt Serra win when he beat George St. Pierre because uh, George Pierre was on, was on one when that happened and it was shocking. But who for you had gets the Mick Foley, I can't believe he won the title award, takes all the viewers away from Nitro, and puts them on raw to watch it who get who did that for you have a great morning man have a great busy day i know y'all got a lot to do man and thanks for everything you do man have a too sweet day thank you
2: sir yeah I, I mean, to, to to go to the tai Ibasa point i agree with you i thought like after two Ibasa not out derrick lewis i was like just find a way to put this guy in a title fight i don't care just do it now whether you just throw him in an interim title fight, because I mean, even back then, even all most of last year, we were talking about where does John Jones fit? Are we going to do John Jones versus Francis Agano? Like, how are we going to do this? And then the beginning of this year happened, and we saw everything that has happened with Francis, with the contract and beating Cyril Gahn. And it's amazing how quickly this sport moves on because January, March, or February, March, the, the, all we were talking about was Francis all we're talking about. And then Tyson Fury had his big win and Francis is in the ring and then the contracts talk started again because of the Tyson Fury thing. Heavyweight is kind of a mess right now. It seems like we're in the midst of like a little mini tournament going on, but it's still kind of a mess. Like we don't know what's going to happen with John, we don't know what's going to happen with Stepe, we certainly don't know what's going to happen with Francis. I actually feel and I've no insight on this. I feel like Francis will end up sticking around. And I think maybe the UFC will find a way to get him that Tyson Fury fight because why the hell not? That's just good money for everybody involved. As far as the Mick Foley question goes, the first one I thought of was Matt Sarah, but that's not the one I'm going to go with. I'm actually going to go with Holly Holm on this one because I feel like certain people felt that Holly matched up stylistically really well with Ronda Rousey. But I just think the reaction, the big arena... The, the fanfare that it got and the fact that we're, I mean, we talk about Matt's, we talk about Matt Sarah GSP a lot, especially when it comes to upsets. We talked about, you know, Juliana Payton beating Amanda Nunes. And anytime there's a big underdog heading into a title fight, we always compare it to Matt Sarah because it's just like one of those weird things that happened in history. But I think the Holly home win over Ronda Rousey just stands out more. It's just one of those, like Sarah winning is a great moment and it's a historical moment, but Holly head kicking ronda into another universe is like one of those iconic moments. And I feel like Mick winning the WWE F- WF title at the time against the Rock was like an iconic moment. Because we've had like we've had some great like Daniel Bryan was like the underdog that that won. And it was such a cool build to get there. It was just kind of out of nowhere. It's just organically grown. But if we think about like iconic title changes, Mick Foley is at the top. And I feel like Holly Holm is probably like the best comparison to that. But great question. Um, I'm definitely an old-school wrestling mark. I think pro wrestling today is pretty terrible. Um, I know everyone seems to like it, and but I've tried to watch some of the programming. It's I think it sucks. I think it's awful. Alright, let's try get Michelle in here again and then, uh, Till you're on deck. Michelle, okay. are you there? Yep, I got you.
5: So Perfect. I, I want to talk about the um, versus the Pena fight, and I feel like she can't and uh, Nunes cannot do what she did last time and brawl because I think that's what um, Pena tried to draw her into like she said in interviews like when she when Nunes might get into a dog fight that's when she looks more vulnerable and I think as well like her gas tank went in the first fight it was clear to obviously see that it went and also I feel like with Oliveira versus Makachev I think I, I'm picking um Oliveira so far but If he does win, and just say he knocks him out in Abu Dhabi, which is obviously Islam's backyard, I really hope he calls out Habib because I know he's been talking about it. Like, if he beats Makachev, then he's going to call out the former champion. And it will be really interesting to see how Habib would react to that, because his um, apology just got knocked out. So, yeah, thank you.
2: Ah, Thank you. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear what Amanda doesn't want to do. What I'm curious about is what happens if Amanda tries to slow the fight down and and Juliana gets super aggressive. Because Juliana's just not going to sit back and have a kickboxing match. Which is why I think Amanda having all that success in the first round with leg kicks is such an important tool in this fight. And who knows, maybe Juliana and, and Rick Little worked on checking leg kicks this camp. I doubt it because the six fighters don't really check leg kicks all that often so i'm i'm, I'm curious to see what the approach is because if i'm a man nunez i'm leg kicking her for 25 minutes and just picking my spots treating it more like i don't know like the holly Holm fight maybe even slowing it down like the jermaine Duranemi fight but juliana Payne is a a good wrestler she's got good top control um but so does amanda so that makes things really interesting as well so If the leg kicks start to work and Amanda does start to slow down a little bit, will Juliana turn up the volume? And if she does, how will Amanda react to that? That's what I'm curious about because there's no way Amanda's going to just sit back and have a mid-range kickboxing match with Amanda Nunes because she will just get swept on the scorecards. It's not going to go well for her. And Juliana knows that. But what's going to happen when Juliana gets real aggressive and gets in her face? That's, That's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. As far as the Habib thing, I don't know, man. I think Olivera is focused on – I think Olivera took this fight not to fight Habib. I think he took this fight in Abu Dhabi. We knew this fight was going to happen, but he took it on this sp- specific date, on this specific card, in this specific location because he wants to fight Conor McGregor. And I think this is a scratch your back, you scratch ours kind of a situation. And I think if Olivera goes out there, beats his arm and finishes him. He's going to go for the red panty night and don't get that money, son. And then maybe if he goes out there and bolts Connor, then, then maybe he calls out Habib. I just don't think Habib's going to come back. I I just don't like, I'd love to see it. Olivera Habib is really interesting stylistically, but I just, I just don't think he's going to come back. I think he's, I think Habib is like a legit man of principle when he says something and for the reasons why he, he walked away from the sport, I just think it's going to take – I don't know what it's going to take to get him back because you know the UFC has offered him a floppity jillion dollars, and that still wasn't enough for him. So I don't know. I don't know if anybody can get him back, but if there's one guy who could do it, it probably is Oliveira. I just think he's going to need some more wins under his belt before that happens, and Islam would definitely be a good one to have. But I just I, I mean my gut tells me he's not coming back, but maybe he does. AK thinks I'm crazy. He thinks Habib's definitely coming back. Let's go to Talarmi. Talarmi, are you there? Oop.
6: Mute. Try to unmute. Hey, hey, oh, go on book. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Great show you got going tonight, mate. Thank you. Tonight here anyway. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so um GZ's covered some ground tonight, haven't you? So, um I heard a bit about Taitu Vasa. He's a um a bit of a loose cannon, isn't he? He can um he can uh, turn turn the fight around at the drop of a hat
2: sure can yeah. and
6: he's fun yeah, everybody, right. everybody likes Titan. absolutely so. um, yeah it's one thing about australian mma it has um it's come a long way in the last 5 to 10 years hasn't it it has and if the ufc the ufc better have a card there the first quarter of 2023 yeah, absolutely. if they don't they're doing it wrong yeah yeah there's no doubt about that um, look i'm sure that they'll line something up at some stage pretty soon uh, I was just looking before, and I was um, just doing the Twitter ads and I noticed the fight between O'Malley and Yan, and I thought, mm, yeah, that's um, that's a bit of a step up. Do you think for um, O'Malley? A little one. Thank you. Yeah. Um,
2: well, thank you, Tony. I love the, I love everything about it. Love everything about it. It's a, it's the best fight Sean O'Malley can take right now, in my opinion. I would love, like, I feel for Pedro Munoz and all this because he's the guy that got poked in the eye. And now he's going to watch Sean O'Malley potentially fight for a chance to fight for the title in a lot of ways. And, but for O'Malley, like, this is a win win situation because if he goes out there and is at least competitive with Piotr Jan and loses, like, he doesn't lose anything. He loses nothing in this situation. Now, if he goes out there and just gets blasted and bolted quick, yeah, it stinks, but we chalk it up to a step up in competition. But if he goes up there and beats Piotr Jan, that's massive. So O'Malley, in a way, has already kind of won because he's even taking this fight. And the reaction that you're giving and a lot of other people are giving, like, that's kind of a victory for Sean. But I, I actually like I think this fight is I think this fight is interesting just because of how rangy O'Malley is and how how slow of a starter for the most part, Piotr Jan is. And I know that's not like, it's not like Cerrone-esque where he, it's just for for Jan, that first round is, it's not like he sits around and just gets hit. He uses that round to do some, uh, make a lot of movements and just try to get information and try to determine where to go in the second round. Try to establish the weaknesses and establish holes and establish ways that he can enter and, just kind of change things in his direction. If I'm Sean O'Malley, the range is there, but eventually Jan's going to figure it out. Like, he's that good. And I know some people, because I've been saying from the beginning, if, if you're O'Malley, just empty the chambers on this man in the first five minutes. Like, just work on that cardio. Treat it like Rocky versus Clubber Lang 2. You go out there, you have three, you know, you have six minutes to just unload the tank and get this man out of there. And I feel like that's the approach Shadow O'Malley should take in this fight. Yeah, the range and the reach is always there. And, and some people give me crap for that. He goes, oh, he's just so much longer. He could just have a kickboxing match. That's just not true. That's just not true. Piotr Jan is ready for everything. And Piotr Jan can figure everything out on the fly. He's so good. Him and Volkanovski are two of the very best in the sport when it comes to making in-fight adjustments. Jan is tremendous at that. Go watch the Corey Sandhagen fight. Go watch it. Go watch a lot of his fights. He adjusts so well. Even the Aljamain Sterling fight, he adjusted pretty well in that fight. He lo- It was close, and he lost it, but he, he adjusted pretty well in that one. He's so good at in-fight adjustments. And Jan's going to have a little bit better of a gas tank, too, because this is a three-round fight. It's been a while since Piotr Jan's been in the three-round fight. So... Yeah, I, I I like the matchup, and I think it's a it's a great opportunity for Sean O'Malley, and I don't think he can lose very much from this unless he gets absolutely rocked and just run over in the first two minutes of the fight, which I don't think is going to happen. I think if Jan's going to win, he's going to win a decision or he's going to get a late finish. But if I'm O'Malley, just get after it. Just go get after it and get yours in, son. And just because even if you if you go out there and you have a great first round and you lose a decision, like. It's okay. Like it's not that big of a deal in the in the long run, in the in the long and the short of it. And if he wins, like what if he goes out there and finishes Jan in the first round? Like that's massive. That's so big. So I love the fight. I think it makes all the sense in the world. And for Jan, just looking at the landscape of this division and who's booked and who isn't, this is the best fight for Jan as well. It's a big name. I love it. I love everything about it. Jesse, are you there?
1: Yeah, I was in the middle of connecting. Hey, uh, so first of all, I just wanted to comment. You guys were talking about the Makachev-Olivera fight. I feel like this is the MMA universe making up for the Ferguson and of mishaps. Like, this matchup is just as good as those ever were. We're finally getting a very similar fight. So I'm looking forward to that. But I have two questions for you. Um, if Peña wins on Saturday... Do you think Shevchenko moves up to try to get that second title? And then what do you think about uh, Cedric and Dumbe coming over as the kickboxing champion? Um, what What do you expect from him and and how big of a signing? Because I feel like it's not really being talked about a lot. I feel like that's a huge signing for the UFC roster.
2: Yeah, man. I, I love the Dumbe signing. It makes all the sense in the world. We're seeing the success that some of these high-level kickboxers are having in MMA, and Darian Weeks is like the perfect matchup for him because Darian ain't going to shy away from a fight at all. He's going to get right in that guy's face. Yeah, he might try to make it ugly a little bit, but he is not going to fear Cedric Dumbay at all when it comes to just getting into a scrap. So I love the signing, love the matchmaking, and yeah, this this is a big deal. But this is one of those things, like, Pereira signing was a big deal, but mostly because of the storyline that was already underway with Adesanya so I mean people already were aware of Pereira in the MMA space and plus we saw Pereira just absolutely annihilate people in LFA like with some scary ass knockouts I think Doombe I think the hardcores know exactly who he is but it's an opportunity for him to just show up on that card and make a statement and let people go back and just check out his his kickboxing pedigree after the fact. So I'm really looking forward to that fight, really looking forward to seeing what he could do in the UFC. It's a great signing, and there's no other card that makes sense for him to debut on outside of – I mean, this is the one. So love everything about it. It's great. If Pena wins, I think Shevchenko's next fight is going to be at 125. I think she's pretty much said it herself. It's going to be 125. She felt like she was – even when she fought Tyler Santos that – she didn't put on a lot of weight after the cut. And she felt like she was basically outsized by like 15 or 20 pounds in that fight. And I think that might be a concern of hers right now. It's something that, it's something that, and let me just, and let me just say that I, I can't, I can't reveal this yet. I can't reveal it. But I talked to somebody yesterday that could make this division really interesting for Valentina. Really interesting. I can't tell you just yet, but I talked to somebody who's gonna make, who could make things really interesting for her. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully next week or the week after, I can reveal this news. Um, I'm kind of under an embargo right now because of how this all came together, but really interesting stuff. So I think there would be a chance to put that fight together if the UFC wanted it, but I don't think... I think 125 is actually really interesting right now. And she's got challengers. She's got challengers coming. Fioros fighting Shikagin. If Manon wins that fight, she could step up and fight for the belt. Santos is still there. And then we have this next crop of fighters. And who knows? Maybe there could be some other names that are uh, could be itching to, to get in there and have an interesting fight with one of the best fighters ever. But I don't think Valentina goes up just yet. Maybe sometime next year. Um, but I think the Tyler Santos fight kind of gave her some pause on that, but I can't wait to, I can't wait to you guys see what I'm talking about. Let's go to Toke. Hi Toke.
0: Thank you for a great episode of BTL yesterday. Uh,
6: Damon Jackson was amazing. Um, And I want to give him a shine with my question. So I I have two questions. So the one question
0: is, is he officially weighing in today or is he just uh, cutting weight like a madman? And uh, the second question is, uh, which of the four possible fights that on this card would be best suited for his traits? That's it.
2: Hmm... It's a great question. I think. I mean, I think all of them would work out for him. But if you guys missed this, this is the best. This was just the best. Damon Jackson comes on BTL. I talked to. He mentioned Ed Cap. Ed Cap is a tremendous PR guy. Uh, one of the best of the business to work with in terms of like lining up interviews and stuff like that. So I reached out to him because we're a little short staffed. And I may find a couple guys on vacation, and I was like, "Do you have anybody who would want to?" jump on the debate show. Cause he's helped me out bringing on some fighters. And he was like, Damon Jackson will do it. I said, cool. And we had like other fighters potentially lined up for it. Um, Brandon Royval was going to do it, but something else popped up and, and he couldn't, there were a couple other names in there as well. So Sean, Al steps in on basically like two hours notice and does the show. And then if you missed it, Damon Jackson does the entire show on the treadmill, the whole show for like an hour. He's walking on an incline on the treadmill, and then for the final round, he runs. Like, he does the final round running and doesn't, like, lose breath at all. It's it's incredible. And he gave his thoughts, and, like, they were clear and concise, and he was on the treadmill the entire time. He changed BTL forever, and it's amazing. It's amazing. I think Rafa Garcia would probably be, like, the best fight for him just because – Garcia is just such a scrapper, and Damon can have those kinds of fights. I think he matches up okay with any of those guys, if we're being honest. But I don't know. Any of those guys would, would work. But Damon is just – that he changed BTL forever. BTL will never be the same after what he did yesterday on the show. If you haven't seen it, go to our YouTube page and check it out. It's a fun episode, and he's on the frigging treadmill the entire time. And Sean Elshott, He knew he had no chance of beating him. Let's go to last – Try to get to everybody here. Last, how are you? Just make sure you're on mute. Hello. Here we go. Hey buddy. Um uh, uh, on
7: uh, Amanda Penner's fight. Um, I think the first fight, uh Amanda, like she just lost it a bit. You know, like she could have gone with the way she went on with the with the first round, but you know, her career has always been a knockout or submission. And she tried too hard in the first uh Fights and she she got stopped quickly, you know. I think it needs to be different this time around. I think she needs to fight at her pace and not let the crowd get into her head. You know, like when you know, like trying to get her excited to like try to knock out knock her out because she, she was just swinging a lot in the first fight. You know, like the second round she was just swinging and before you know it she she got tired up um, and I don't know. So my question is like the. Uh, Kamzat and Nate Diaz fight, I want to understand, like, why was that fight made? Because, honestly, like, is it just for the money or I don't know? Like, I don't really get the fight, uh, Kamzat and, and Nate Diaz. Thank you.
2: Thanks, man. I mean, I think we all kind of know why this fight happened because it's the last fight on Nate's deal. Nate did want it, but I think Nate was just kind of like, I don't care, give me anybody. But I'm telling you, like, Nate, back in April, Nate asked for the fight. Uh, He asked for it for months, and this is what he got. But I think he probably saw the writing on the wall. Like, I'm not going to get any sort of layup fights. I'm going to have to fight the toughest dude you got. And this is what happened. So the build to September 10th is going to be incredible. It's going to be super fascinating. As far as the Juliana fight goes, like, we have to remember one thing. Juliana Pena, for years, called her shot. She said this was going to happen. She came out and said, I'm going to fight this girl. She's going to punch me in the face a bunch. Then she's going to get tired. And then I'm going to beat her. And she said this the whole time. Like, Juliana literally called her shot. She said, I am the foil. I am her foil. I am the one who can thwart her because I could take everything she throws at me. Which not a lot of girls have been able to say. But Juliana has always had the confidence that whatever Amanda Nunes does, I can take And I could give it back. And that's exactly what happened. Like, Juliana Pena basically said this was going to happen, and it happened. So, she deserves all the credit in the world. And, yes, Amanda Nunes, did she have an off night? I I don't know. I don't know. But Juliana had the perfect game plan, and she told everybody what the game plan was, and she went out there and won. And it was an incredible moment. And... We'll see what happens here. Like, again, like Amanda has to slow this fight down. She has to fight a little more. I don't want to say boring, but a little more technical. The leg kicks are going to be huge in this fight. They were scoring in the first round. Those leg kicks were very effective in round one in the first fight. But Juliana got knocked down a couple times. Amanda thought she had her on the ropes. And Juliana just showed how durable she is. She's just unbelievable with that durability. She's got a chin on her, and she is tough as hell. Which, which makes the second fight just interesting, because, like, maybe, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly don't, this has, Jed Mishu wrote an article for MMA Fighting, Paths to Victory, talking about this fight. And we talked about it a little on BTL yesterday as well. That this is not, this is not Sarah GSP-ish. This is Connor nate where... Con- like Nunez was like Connor. She went out there, had a great first round, thought she was just going to go. He thought he was going to go in there, and just knock Nate out, and get an easy win. And then Nate turns it around and gets the submission. And then the second, like, I feel like and then the second fight, like Connor tries to slow it down. And then he just couldn't do it the entire time. Like tried to throw leg kicks. He dropped Nate a bunch of times, but then Nate turned it around and they got real gritty down the end. I expect this to be somewhat similar to that fight. I thought it was a great comparison from Jed, like maybe not from a historical perspective, like not from like a superstar perspective, but like the styles and the fights and how the first fight translates to the second. I think that's a more apt comparison than the Sarah GSP one, which I've been hearing a lot as well. I thought the comparison was great and it made a lot of sense. So I think we're going to get a war tomorrow. Like, I don't think this is going to be Amanda going out there and just putting the boots to Juliana and being like, see, told you I had an off night. I think this is going to be a fight where Amanda gets off to a good start. Maybe wins the first two rounds. Maybe Juliana gets some momentum in round two. I think three and four are going to be real interesting. And I think we're going to get down to the fifth. And we'll see what happens then. But I think this is going to be an absolute war to close the show tomorrow. I can't wait. And I can't wait. Like I said, the more we get closer to, to tomorrow, the more intrigue I have for this fight, the more excited I get. And I was excited for it from the jump. Like after the first fight ended, I was like, I can't wait to see these two fight again because you knew that's where we were going with this. And Juliana's just got that, sh- still has that chip on her shoulder and the championship on the other one. And Amanda, it's been a long time since seeing Amanda kind of vulnerable and, and, and on the chase. And who knows? Like this could be it. Like this could be the last Amanda Nunes fight. We don't know. We don't know. So enjoy it, my friends. I think it's going to be fun. Let's go to Fab. We'll go for like 20 more minutes, and I got to get out of here. Fab, how are you?
8: Mike, good morning. Can you hear me okay? I'm talking to you from my car. No echo or anything?
2: Oh, you're good, yeah. brother. Perfect. Awesome. awesome, brother. Hey, good
8: morning. Heck of a morning to you, man. Hey, I want to uh, talk to you about a couple things, man. First of all, shout out Kevin Holland. I heard he's in the chat here. So shout him out. Shout out Trailblazer. We love that man. Can't wait to see him back in the cage. Bless up. Second of all, man, I know I had been asking questions about breaking in the industry, man, just to give you some updates, man. I launched the Substack, uh, just writing content. First article was covering XMMA, so had a good time, man. And, um, yeah, just looking forward to posting more stuff, man. Very excited. Um, But question-wise, this was posted on Twitter today, and it made me think. Fighters that bring their children to the fights. Um, and seeing Amanda this week unembedded, and and she always has uh, Reagan there and all that. How can that affect a fighter's psyche? Um, there's several examples of it. I mean, I think of Juliana as well. Juliana seems like she's even more doubt than when she has her daughter there. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that, man? Um, really, that's it, man. Again, hope you have a great day, man. Loving the coverage. Uh, yesterday, BTL with, with Damon Jackson was awesome, man. Uh, keep it up.
2: Thanks, man. And congrats on launching the sub stack. Yeah, there you go. Just, just stay consistent and, and keep doing it and you're, you'll be good to go. And uh, blessed to you as well from, from Kevin Holland. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Um, the, I, I honestly, I don't know. Honestly, uh, I do have a kid. I know that fighting and playing like men's league softball are two totally different things, but I know like if my kid watches me play anything that I want to play better, so, at least to me, okay, I don't know how it would be in a fist fight in front of my kid. But, I, I mean, at least to me, it makes me want to set my game up a little bit. Now, fighting is a whole different thing. So, I, I, honestly don't, I honestly don't know. Some thrive on it. Some don't. Like, I know Adrian Yanez was talking about, like, having his kid in the same general area. But more so that after he fought Tony Kelly, he could go back and, like, hang out with his kid. So maybe there's just, just some comfort there knowing that, hey, I already had to spend so much time away from my kid for this training camp. The only time I got to see him was like for a few minutes in the morning that I had to go train all day. Just knowing that after this fight, I can go back to the hotel and I could see my kid. There's probably like a comfort level there. But as far as, you know, kid being in the building, getting locked in a cage and fighting another human being, I, I, I could not tell you what that, what that feels like. No clue. Let's go to Naven. Are you there, sir? Hey, buddy. Uh, so
9: I wanted to speak about uh, UFC and the uh, main event of this UFC 277. So actually, sure. uh, UFC is adver- advertising that uh, this is the biggest rematch, but they are doing actually zero promotion for this fight. I don't see anyone... Even interested in this fight. It is we who always follow UFC. Who are uh, willing to watch this rematch. But if you see the marketing point. No one is actually interested in this main event. And everyone is uh, underestimating Amanda. And overestimating Pena. I feel like uh, she didn't win it. Amanda actually gave up. Because if you see her resume. And uh, the first round of that fight. She actually got beat up. But eventually she herself gave out. I don't see Pena winning this week. I am going with Amanda on this.
2: Cool, man. Yeah, I listen. You're you're not alone on this. A lot of people feel the same way. And and as I said at the beginning of the show, you put these two fighters on paper, skill for skill, and Amanda should win this fight 99 times out of 100. And maybe this is, maybe Pena that was the one. Who knows? But maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. Maybe pain is durability. The fact that she's not looking at this as a mixed martial artist, but as a someone who's just getting into a fight, into a scrap, and who knows? Like, uh, there have been few fighters who have not had a foil. Like even John Jones, like had Dominic Reyes, and most people to this day feel like Dominic Reyes beat John Jones that night, and it was at a point where like no one thought anybody could beat this guy. Habib's had some. Hadn't really had a tough fight towards the end of his career. Oliveira has. But just every so often, You know what? Like, on any given night, on any given day, someone might have your number. Maybe is that fighter. I don't know. Stylistically, they're just so different. It's just who can implement whose game plan. Julian's gonna keep getting in her face. If this fight gets extended, can Amanda keep up? The gas tank is huge in this fight. That was a huge difference in that first fight because Amanda... Had Juliana hurt. She kind of underestimated the durability of Juliana Pena. She emptied the tank. And then come round two, once Juliana got off, she just she had nothing left. And Juliana just pieced her up. Obviously, Amanda's going to try to slow this one down. There's no doubt about it. But what happens if Juliana's just like, I ain't doing that, and just gets in her face? This is why this fight's interesting. It's an interesting fight. I'm 50, like I'm torn on it. Like, Amanda should win. Like, everything about this fight on paper screams Amanda Nunes is the better fighter. But, Juliana's a dog, man. She just is. Let's go to Duba. Duba, are you there? I don't hear you. All right, try again. Uh, let me go to the comments here real quick. Straight killer in a softball league. Anyone know what time the weigh-in show is? 10 a.m. Eastern, top of the hour. There you go. Uh, let me go back to this. Let's go to Aaron. Aaron James, we're going to try to get the – there's five people requesting. I'm going to try to get to all of you before we get out of here.
6: Aaron, what's up? Uh, good morning, first of all. What's good? Uh I was just asking to see if uh, you think Nick has a t- uh, title shot in his future at all. Nick who? Nick Diaz, my bet.
2: Nick Diaz? Yeah. Has a title shot in his future?
5: Yeah, or you think he should just, like, think of, of retiring, you know?
2: Um, uh, The answer to the Nick Diaz fighting for a title question is absolutely never. It, I'm not gonna say, Well, I can't say never. But I will say, no, he just, I don't know, man. I, he, it was like that whole, that whole comeback was just the most, wasn't that the most bizarre thing you've ever seen? Cause you remember when I think it was like 2020 towards like the end of 2020 and all those pictures started surfacing of Nick cutting to 170, and he looked like a million dollars. Remember that just shredded. Did a weight cut. Was fine. And we were just expecting this, like, Nick Diaz 2.0 to show up. And then he gets booked with Robbie Lawler, which is the perfect fight to make. And then the fight goes up to 185. And then we just kind of see what he looks like. Like, we don't know what went into that. Maybe there was a lot of injuries. Could have been. I don't know. But then we saw him fight. And, like, Nick went in there and, like, fought his ass off. And then Robbie just took over and hurt him. And Nick was like, no mass, I'm done. So title fight no do i think he fights again maybe i don't know but if he if he fights again it's just got to be we, we it's got to be it's got to be like a fair fight <laughs> I, I i don't know what to do like it was one of the i i, I honestly don't know who, what, what would make sense it would have to be like another vet have to be like a one i don't know I'm not holding my breath, but d- no, no title fight, no title fight.
10: Let's go to James. Hi, hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, I'm sorry, I'm still laughing over the the Nick Diaz question. That, that was awesome. That that was beautiful. But um, but yet the main event tomorrow. Um, kind of watching a lot of tape on Amanda. I really think uh, kicks to the midsection is going to be a big factor in this fight, and I I really hope you're right. I would love to see a five round war, but man, who, who knows? And um, on a UFC 279, I we I mean we all know that the UFC is not going to do a, a Nick Diaz or sorry Nate Diaz any favors. I uh, thought of something that I think would be amazing if the UFC actually did it. Uh, what if Jorge Masvidal steps in as a replacement, not for the main event, but for the co-main? Because the co-main will be shakhov Rachmanoff against Colby. And if uh, something happens with Chamaya that he can't make it, you throw a Rachmanov in there against Diaz, get the little Diaz bump, and then a uh, Masvidal can step in and Colby can get his revenge on Masvidal for the, the club incident uh, in Florida. Um, and, and Mike, uh, I don't know if AK is going to be on the, the weigh-in show, but I wish him a happy birthday from all of us. Thank you. And have a heck of a weekend and a heck of a morning. Thanks, buddy.
2: Thanks, man. Uh, of course, AK will be on the weigh-in show. That is like, that, that, that's what he does this job for is for these weigh-in shows. He loves the weigh-in shows. This is like, this is like, uh, this is, this is like his birthday, if you will. It's like his birthday. Cause he gets to host the weigh-in show. Yeah, I, I don't think any of what you said is going to happen. Colby will never fight. I mean, not going to say never, but there's, no, there's absolutely zero chance Colby would fight Shafka Rachmanov. Absolutely none. No chance. I would say this, though, if for some reason, like if we find out like next week, let's just say next week we find out that Hamzat can't make it September 10th, but Nate's going to stay on the card. Like I think they would slot Colby in. Colby would be the guy. Colby would take that fight. And the UFC would kind of look at Colby to be like, all right, Hamza can't go. Just take him down and beat him up for 25 minutes and call it a day. Like, you, you, the one thing I do agree with you on more than anything is that the UFC is not going to do him and do Nate any favors. So if for some reason something happens with Hamza and he can't make it, Colby would probably be the guy. They would throw him in there with a guy like that and just make it try to make it as miserable as possible. Um, I do think we're going to see – I'm curious to see what they do with this last remaining spot, like this co-made event spot. I think you have to have some kind of contingency plan in place. Like, this fight is so big, and it's going to do so well on pay-per-view that you don't need a co- – like, you technically don't need a co-made event. You should probably have one, but you should probably have one more so in case something happens. Like, I've, I've been saying for a while, like, throw Dustin and Chandler on there. Because if something happens, like, you could do Dustin versus Nate. You could just – Pull them up and do that fight. You can do Chandler versus Nate. Like, whatever. Whatever. But you have to have a contingency in place for both of these guys. Because you just never know what's going to happen. If you lose this fight, you're screwed. Like, if you lose any... Like, if that fight doesn't happen September 10th, you're done. Like, this card is just not good. I love me some Chris Barnett, but Chris Barnett versus Jake Collier? Like, I can't headline. You can't do that. I, I don't know what they're going to do. they got to have some sort of plan in place. You would have to think welterweights would be involved. I don't know what Ma. I, I don't know if Ma's at all would be a part of it. I don't know if Colby would be a part of it. Colby ain't fighting freaking Hop uh, Shafcott because like that's I mean, there is literally no reward to fighting Shafkot for Colby. So, yeah, I don't know. I would like to see a co-main event in place, some way somehow. But if we're staying positive. What's up, buddy? just want to say shout out to you and the MMA
1: fighting crew for getting me lit up in the comments section of my podcast for suggesting that Tony Ferguson should fight Patty next. That was dope. <laughs> um, second, we need to find out what your softball stat line is. I need to know what those RBIs are, homie. And third, leave Beast Boy alone. Leave my boy alone uh there was no question just heck of morning it's friday hope you have a good weekend everybody in the chat
0: everybody listening in. hope you have a great weekend love y'all peace
2: thanks buddy uh my softball line listen i'm i'm, I'm a serviceable player I, I am a serviceable player i am an infielder i could play it all you like when i when i first started on this team they had me in left field i could run my ass off in left field and make plays Uh, I'm a better infielder. I was like a shortstop pretty much my whole baseball career and a pitcher. Uh, I played a lot of second base this past season, played the final playoff game at third base, which is never fun because everyone just hits the ball a thousand miles an hour at you. But I made pretty much all the plays over there. Uh, I'm a number two hitter. So my job is if the leadoff hitter doesn't get on base, I do. If the leadoff hitter does get on base, I Send him to third. So if he gets a single, I'm putting the ball down the right field line. I'm going to hit a little laser beam down the right field line. He's going to get to third. We're going to have second and third for a number three hitter. Um, if I need to hit the ball over the fence, I will. I hit like nine home runs this year. Uh, if I got to do it, I will. Uh, but I'm a serviceable guy. That's why they put me in the two spot. I, I My average is very high. Um, it ain't pretty. It's very Wade Boggs-ish. If you're an 80s baseball fan, just look up Wade. Even if you're not. I don't drink beers like Wade Boggs, but I certainly uh, look at hitting like Wade Boggs, if that makes any sense. So, yeah. Let's go to King Cat, and we'll go to Tristan, and then we'll see if we have time for any more, because they were waiting. King Cat, how are you?
4: Hi. Hi. Sorry. Uh, Hello.
2: Hello. Wow. Hold
4: on. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. That's what you get when you have a feisty ten pound dog. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> heck of a moment. <laughs> what, what a great first time calling in. Uh, so <laughs> my question is around uh, pay per view points. So uh, as a as a big supporter of uh, women's MMA, I'm planning on buying this pay per view to just support the female led uh, you know headliner. But I got I got to thinking. I'm like, so who gets pay per? her viewpoints, so how is that determined um like does amanda get it because she is a champ uh dukai and moreno get it like how does that work out and do the media know that beforehand
2: that's a good question i will never ever ever for the rest of my life get the sound of your dog out of my head that was amazing uh pay points are mostly for the main events Mostly, I mean, the champion's going to get them. I'm sure, Amanda's getting them as well. Uh, I'm sure Moreno and KKF are going to get maybe a little piece, but th- it'll be mostly the main event. Juliana will get that championship money. She probably gets more of the perks if we're being honest. Um, but yeah, it's usually it's usually for the main events. Usually for the champions. Uh, I'm sure Amanda will Amanda will get a piece of it as well, being being a half of the main event. But I'm not really great with that stuff, but. They'll do okay. Like, they'll do okay. Is this pay-per-view going to do bonkers? No. Is it going to do worse than 276? Yes. Um, is it still going to do over 250,000 buys? Yeah, I think it will. I think the UFC is – I think the UFC has enough hardcore fans right now where they don't need a lot of the casual audience to do – to pull a decent-sized number. Like, I think this will do three to – four. I think this will do, like, 300,000. Like, I think I think 300,000 sounds like a reasonable number. I think it's very possible. So, yeah, and both women will do okay. I think both are doing a great job selling it. And let me just say this. You know who else should be getting pay-per-view points? Anthony Smith should, should be getting pay-per-view points because this guy this guy is selling the hell out of his fight. Is he not? I love this chip on his shoulder. The, him and the chip on his shoulder should be getting pay-per-view points because he's doing a tremendous job. He has made that fight way more interesting in my eyes. All right, Tristan, quickly cuz I got to go. I got to jump on this weigh-in show. I don't want AK to be mad. Okay. How are okay, you? Okay, how you doing, Mike?
11: Um just want to talk about yeah. uh Bo Nichols season 3. I mean, what? Not season 6, week 3. Now, um he if he goes and dominates and has a great performance. Is he the, is he's the, he the is he like the um one of the few that has only a little bit of pro experience going into, head, if he gets the contract into the UFC, he'd be actually 2-0 and with making his debut. I mean, I looked, I think Max Holloway, he came into the UFC with only four fights, and then made his debut against Dustin Poirier back in 2012. Started off a little rough. I mean, got three straight wins, lost his two fights, and then went on a tear on his way to his title shot. I mean, if Bo Nickel – would Bo Nickel actually do something unprecedented where if he goes on a tear for three, four years and you actually get a title shot, probably be the the um, the guy that had the least experience heading into the UFC and actually pulled something off where he goes on a run and then actually challenged, like, is he, if he's still there for the, for the middleweight title? I mean, Bo Nickel m- might be um, – again, I am – i'm saying this with a caveat like that may never happen but i'm just saying would that be unprecedented if he did something like that in your opinion
2: thanks mike thanks buddy yeah i I think bo is probably the the main event name on this contender series season a lot of i mean there's just so much upside to this guy just an incredible athlete 26 years of age been working on the craft for a little while he's got the amateur you know very short amateur run he's got the one pro fight um he's just such a freak athlete, man. It's it's like a, a very cheat Cody thing. Jed Mishu says it all the time. Athleticism is a cheat code in MMA and Bo is one of the best Bo immediately would be one of the best athletes in the company just as soon as he gets in there. But I, like, here's the thing. I almost want, like I expect Bo nickel to win. And I expect that even with Dana's speech on Tuesday, That Bo just getting a victory will probably get him signed. But it wouldn't crush my soul if they just gave him a developmental deal either way. Like, even if he wins in a minute. Like, just developmental deal him. And just let him fight as often as he wants, whenever he wants, for the next freaking, you know, five or six fights. Oh, hold on one second. All right. Now we can reveal because we officially confirmed it. I know you guys probably saw it. Um, big fight at 145. I teased this the other day. I was already well aware that this was in the works, but we just didn't have a date. Um Edson Barboza versus Ilya Taporia, October 29th. It is a it is a it is in the works. It is targeted. Uh, both fighters have agreed. Uh, it is going down October 29th. Told you guys would like that one. Ilya Taporia sticking at 145 to fight Edson Barboza. That is going to be a banger. So there you go. So look for that soon on mafighting.com. All right, I got to get out of here. I'm about to get yelled at. I have to jump on this weigh-in show, which you can do too. Just jump on the weigh-in show right now. Uh, head to the MA Fighting YouTube channel. We're going to go live. Jose Youngs, A.K. myself, E.K. C. Uh, We're just going to have some fun for the next couple of hours. So join us over there. Thank you for joining us here. Appreciate you guys jumping on earlier. We'll have a preview show, 2 p.m. Eastern, live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. And we could have, like, sort of a video version of this program on our YouTube channel tomorrow. I believe we're going to go live at 5.15, heading into UFC 277, another edition of the People's Pre-Fight Show which I am looking forward to. What a week it has been on the program. What a week it continues to be for combat sports and for the UFC, UFC 277 going on tomorrow. Join us on the weigh-in show. If you're here with us live, you're listening on the podcasting network. If you're bored, go back and watch the friggin' weigh-in show if you want to. But we'll see you all later. Have a great rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning.